Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to a very important sports week here. We're ready to roll into these title games. Only three pro football games left. Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the good times, which is... Those two football games coming up on Sunday, title game weekend, one of the best in sport. Let's chop that up right now. We have a a very nice guest on the way who does have a rooting interest in those title games. We'll talk to him in a second, but first let's say hello to our pal, the roastest with the mostest, somebody who Adam Carolla was complimenting when I was just in studio with him the other day. It's Sarah Tiana. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I've, I enjoyed your fruit rant. I heard, I heard quite a bit of it. I do think apples, I like apples. So I like them very much, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Especially now they're in season, but you know, every, you know, even superstar athletes have down years and the apple Mm -hmm. collectively. And, you know, of course there are so many varietals, it's not just that I'm, I'm circling one or putting one in the, in the crosshairs. All varietals of apples were not good. <laughs> and at some point, for somebody who touts the apple as much as I do, it reflects poorly on me. So I felt yeah. like I had to go with the whip over the carrot yeah. to the apple. The only, yeah, the only, apple. the only problem with the apple is that you just never know if you're going to get one of those mealy ones. Like, there's no way to tell how crisp it is on the inside until you take a bite. Whereas, you know, when you cut open a pineapple or you cut open a grapefruit, you go, well, this is going to be good. Or an avocado. An avocado is another example that you. You know, I want to talk about sports here, but of course, (laughs) the the most important sport of all is the game of life. And an important element of living Uh, over surviving is eating some good fruit and eating a mm -hmm. nice apple. I mean, Devil's Damashek pushes back on that and says, I can feel the soft spots from beyond the red encasing. I can feel where it's going to be a little soft on the inside of that apple, and I can just carve that out. Mm -hmm. If I cut Mm -hmm. into a a pineapple and the whole thing ain't ready to roll, the whole thing is ruined. Like, it's either (laughs) all or nothing. Like, the apple, I can just (laughs) dissect the one little chunk out and still enjoy Mm -hmm. myself. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about football already. Let's talk about all of it. We have a lot to talk about. Even, can you believe in title game weekend, baseball is in the news? And quite Mm -hmm. frankly, I don't think it's in a good way. I want to talk about that, too. First, let's say hello (laughs) To our pal, you know him from the Minus 3 podcast. He was a visitor there. You know him as we buzz about our stupid fantasy football league all the time. His voice is a prominent one in that dumb West Coast fantasy football league consumed by men in their middle ages who should have better things to do with their time, but they don't. He's also one half of the authorship of Club Pro Guys' other black book, Wisdom from a Lifetime of Punching Out Sideways. He is our pal, and he is a San Francisco 49ers diehard. He's the Dutch Mook, Paul Cohorst. What's up, Pally? Thanks for coming to me. And now I've been dying to say, what about grapes? You're like going along. (laughs) You have six good ones in a row. Like, oh, man, I should be eating grapes more. And then all of a sudden, grape number seven is terrible. You know, that that to me is a horrible fruit-eating experience. I don't know. Uh, And as a resident of Washington State now, I feel a little triggered by the apple talk, but we'll go. We'll let it leave it there. No one's done more good work in the name of the apple than Dave Damashek. So I'll I'll caution you to come at me. No one at some point, though, (laughs) a poor, a meat, not poor, a mediocre 23 on the heels of a pretty mediocre 2022 for the apple. At some (laughs) point, I have to call it out. You know what? I am not. Jerry Jones, just stay in the course. Something must change. That's on you, Apple. Okay, so uh, the Dutch MOOC, our fantasy football season ended once again. As you know, Kevin Hench vanquished me in the finals. He now has kick-out powers. He could kick me out and return the favor because I kicked him. I didn't really kick him out, though. I had John Hamm flip a coin. He mm-hmm. was one of the two options on that coin. He chose poorly he got kicked out. He chose tails after I told him that uh, no country for old men, the seminal scene at the gas station, when he has the old man choose heads or tails, the old man calls heads and he lives. 
This is an indication from the Cohen brothers that heads is the right choice in a heads tails proposition because head says, yes, everything's going to come up the right way. When you go tails, you're a cynic. You think that society <laughs> is against you somehow. <laughs> up. That's not the way to do it. Hench went up. And so did his football season when I kicked him out. Still, he could kick me out. I think it should be Bill Simmons. What kind of move was that to announce on a group email that if I win, I'm kicking check out. It's already settled. What kind of weird move was that? The MOOC, your thoughts. Isn't there some relief in not winning as someone who also, I won, I think, three times in five years, constantly coming up with a bit to kick somebody out? It was exhausting. I was in workshopping ideas. <laughs> You know, can I get a juggler or something like that? Yeah. You know, uh, and there's some be some sort of small explosion involved. And so even though you didn't win this year, I mean, constantly having to workshop new ways to kick people out has to be a little bit of relief. Yeah, uh, I don't think the MOOC is probably in the crosshairs, although from a strategic standpoint, your teams are usually in the mix. So it's wise to punt you, as I always say when people say, aren't you going to kick Simmons out? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Competitively, I shouldn't. <laughs> we know he's not going to win. So I want him in the league. Right. Tiana, uh, what do you come down on all this? Is this weird to listen to? No, it's not weird. Actually, oh, okay. I was going to ask if um, if you guys had any like, do you. Because with Chris's team, my husband's team, like he or boyfriend's team, like they have a rules committee and they try to think of new rules every year. And then my league that I'm in, we have this thing called a mulligan. Do you guys do a mulligan? No. What is it? So once a, once a season, you can take someone from your bench and put them into the starting lineup and switch mm -hmm. it. But they have to tell the person on the other team that you're playing and you have to do it before Monday night football so that that person has a chance to switch too. Hmm. That's fun. Kind of like fun. That. What do you I, think? I, yeah. I like that. I, you know, I constantly hear these new wrinkles to fantasy football leagues and I feel like, Oh man, I need to be doing that because it would be so much. <laughs> it would be so much better. I finally converted to a, a machete league this year mm -hmm. in one of my leagues and it's so much more fun. And then, here we are. What happens in those? I hear about that. I don't know what that means. I actually I hear them called guillotine. Violent yeah, either yeah, way. Guillotine. Start out with 18 teams. Every week, all you have to do is not come in dead last. Whoever comes in dead last out of the 18, uh, all their players go back into the pool. And eventually, it's down to two teams. So you're playing one superstar team against another superstar team. And that's a tremendously fun, fun league if you can survive the first few weeks. And also, like, you get to do these crazy deep dives. Sometimes you'll be starting a number three receiver for God knows who because at, at the beginning, there's so many uh, teams and so many players need to be used. So it, it, it requires a little bit more depth and uh, research at the beginning. And at the very end, it's fun because you're just superstar versus superstar. Um, so, but I like the mulligan. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. fun. I'll, I'll, I I like a mulligan and I like this guillotine slash whatever violent machete or uh, yeah. knife based uh, reference you made there. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire now if you haven't started yet register using this code listen up omaha full the word omaha and the word full and then you place your first bet up to 1250 dollars. if you win great if you keep those winnings but if you lose you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet 21 and over only offer valid and must be physically present in arizona colorado illinois indiana iowa kansas louisiana massachusetts maryland michigan new jersey new york ohio pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia and wyoming new users and first ten dollar plus wager only must register with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet twelve hundred and fifty dollars bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after 
qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's talk about the good stuff here. Mm-hmm. The Dutch Mook. We're playing grab here. In the meantime, Brock Purdy and your favorite football men are preparing for the game of their lives, possibly. Where are you on all this? Are you over the moon? Is this a reckoning <laughs> for Purdy getting hurt last year and now we get it right? How say you? By the way, the, the only thing I can think of right now is I haven't looked to see if the Niners have a third quarterback. I just have yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Do we have a third quarterback? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, but Brad, n- nothing that happened last week uh, made me feel that much more confident mm-hmm. about um, Brock Purdy. I mean, I was going, you know, in week 16, saying, "Yeah, he should be the MVP." To now, I'm legitimately, you know somewhat nervous about uh this game I, I i felt pretty freaking great until um in fact i actually double dipped the other night and had made dinner plans where i knew the tv would be on the corner i felt so confident this game was going to be fine and midway through the, the third quarter i had to say to some friends this is starting to get concerning and and had to call an end to the dinner to actually f- give my full attention to the game <laughs> It was, yeah, it was serious time for the mook. He had to go home. He had to say yeah. good, good night to everybody. It really feels to me like a case of the yips a little bit because mm. he'll have these moments of just beautiful, like seamless brilliance. And then, you know, he'll have a check down and he throws it at the feet. And then there's like no, cha- you know, it's like nowhere near, you know, it's either too high or way too low. And on the ground, it almost looks like he's spiking the ball sometimes. So it's like, I'm just wondering if, if he's in his head, but then also as a Falcons fan, I know that Shanahan, like, like he's such a good coach, but then he outsmarts himself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times in with the 49ers over the years, he, you know, he's running Debo up the middle. He's running Trey Lance up the middle. I'm like, like this is where the injuries are coming from. And that field doesn't do you any justice either. So I, I'm I'm always really concerned about um, if Shanahan will stop doing what works at the end, because I mean, that's just me being like a bitter, angry Falcons fan and like never forgiving him for that. But it does make me watch him through those glasses. But what do you like? 
I love, I love, I I was wondering, like, I I didn't (laughs) do the quick math there. I was like, boy, you really have an axe to grind with this Kyle shit. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. 28 to three. The famous Super Bowl in Houston. Yeah. What do you think, though, the MOOC? I start with you on this one, but I'm curious about where you both come down. Like, Brock Purdy, so the discussion around him the last six months and really the last two years is, it, it, it's super weird, and I know we have to speak in hyperbole about any pro football player and and team and mm-hmm. everything. But he's, you know, the MVP stuff was 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 weird. But he also isn't a bum. I do think if you put him on, like I don't know, like if you if you jammed him in on blank team, Tennessee Titans is the starting quarterback, played seventeen games for the Titans in twenty twenty three. He would have been one of the ten worst quarterbacks in the league. I think that that's kind of true. That, 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 that's mm-hmm. a hard one to push back on that he is benefiting from circumstance, which is Kyle Shanahan and the the pieces around him on that offense and they're a juggernaut. But I also feel like if he loses, Mook, are you going to be mad at him? He let us down. The curse of Sposta. The Niners are supposed to win this game, obviously, by point spread and by track record and everything else. Every measure, the feel-good story is the Lions – I don't know if it matters to the Niners or to the home crowd when they're playing that game on Sunday, but there has to be some sense that everyone in football America is rooting against them. And the 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 inevitability of the Niners getting to the Super Bowl that I have been preaching, because I said, well, they'll definitely kill the Cowboys and they'll definitely kill the Eagles. They struggled against the pack there. Anyway, what what will be the 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 reaction to the Niners losing it? With Brock Purdy, we'll be like, oh, leave him alone. He's Mr. Irrelevant. Look at him. He's a cute little kid. Now we need to go get a a different quarterback, or will you be cross with Mr. Irrelevant? It's not like he's a high pedigree guy. I'm going to put it in. That is exactly the the interesting point. If he was the first pick in the draft, how would this be viewed uh, a loss? How would it be viewed versus being Mr. Irrelevant? Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that where his pick came, and maybe he's being somewhat diminutive. He looks like he's 16 years old. (laughs) Things make it seem like, uh, you know, uh, more of an underdog. If, for example, he was the number one pick, then it would be like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, the expectations would be different. So we can't sort of like look at it in a vacuum. I think that um, any the, the other part of it is we live in a world where now we see success from athletes at such a young age. You know, it used to be hold a clipboard for a few years, maybe get a shot in your mid twenties to be, to be a a quarterback. And that's no longer the model anymore. You know, we got amateurs winning on the PGA tour, you know, there's (laughs) expectation that, that, that these young guys can succeed. They don't have scar tissue. They don't play with, um, they don't play, they play more aggressively and, and without fear of failure, the way that maybe, generations past they had it but then like you mentioned he's every once in a while some of these throws are like oh wow that was that was really bad throw that wasn't (laughs) just a throw that was the mind was involved in that and that's kind of the old school like okay you know it takes a while to have the confidence to fail a few times and all that stuff so in summation no i i I think that has been an unmitigated success a huge win for the 49ers and if we win or lose i really don't I, there's no point that i'm going to be at, at end of the season not confident that brock purdy is going to be our guy starting next season oh you do I, that was the, the follow-up is if he loses if they lose which they're really not supposed to and they really shouldn't lose this game feel good story and everything else coming out of detroit notwithstanding if they do, I do think there will be a lot of people who are Niners fans and then nationally people say, like, they got to move on. They got to, you know, it doesn't cost anything. Brock Purdy costs them nothing to have on the roster. You still keep him, but I think they should ch- chase some competition for him for 2024. Maybe it's even Sam Darnold. How say you, Tiana, as you look from across from a uh, look through your Falcons glasses up at San Francisco? What do you mm-hmm. think about that? I don't know what to make of how, what the reaction is going to be for this poor kid. It's like, I barely got drafted, man. Now I got the weight of the world. I'm the supposed to beat the first <laughs> overall draft pick, Jared Goff. The pressure's on me. What the hell? Well, I mean, as someone who, as a Falcons fan, we have an incredible bank of receivers and and the number one drafted running back in the league, and we couldn't do 
all year. So I I would love to have Brock Purdy. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Mm-hmm. I I think again he started playing with it like I have nothing to lose. But apparently he was doing all these trick throws on the practice squad and stuff like that. These no look passes, like like you know he by this time has grown up watching Patrick Mahomes, and so like these kids start mimicking them. And he was a very seasoned quarterback in uh was it Iowa? Is that where we went? Iowa right? State, yeah. Yeah. So like. I, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. And and I think that, you know, they were, they felt like they had to keep Trey Lance because they picked him so high, but I don't think Brock Purdy went up and on the practice squad had Trey Lance not been there. So mm. I, I, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I think you can have all the, the best receivers and, and say like, well, of course he's got these great receivers and he's got Christian McCaffrey and he's got George Kittle. Yeah. Well, he still has to get them the ball <laughs> and he's been getting them the ball. So I, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I do think they have a good chance. I think he just has a little bit of uh, like nervousness. Somebody's gotten into his head. He just needs a good sports psychiatrist. So he's not like gripping the ball so tight and like letting it release from his hand in such a weird way. I don't know if we want to dive into analytics conversation, but just as a side note off of that. Yeah. I, the thing I just, that's driving me crazy and it has for the last couple of seasons. Analytics are great. Every pro team uses them, obviously. It's, I mean, it's not the argument, oh, you think teams shouldn't? You you dinosaur? Of course they do. They're the professional operation. You think they're not using every outlet to try and figure out to, so, so that every play, every little I and every little T is crossed? Of course, analytics is a part of that. I don't think we need to constantly talk about like it's not fair to talk about the bad throw Brock Purdy and the pressure like the pressure is why we're watching that's why it's fun that's why we watch dramas for the electricity in the third act I don't understand Mm -hmm. the diminishment of all that yeah Brock Purdy's a human being as as it happens he gets nervous the people who don't get nervous or don't exhibit that guys like Tom Brady are the greatest of all time because of that reason, not because they have bigger arms or run better than anybody else. It's because they somehow have the ability to not, whether whether they actually, their heart rate slows down and everything, they don't exhibit nervous traits the way most human beings do in those high leverage spots. I don't understand why we try to get away from that. That's that's hum, that's being a human being, and it makes it compelling when you see certain a certain percentage of these guys choke um, but Tiana, you know, you get the, the Falcons now have come up a couple of times here. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Cause I want to turn this, uh, to the Mooks team. Cause you know what you feel about your franchise and what it mm-hmm. needs to do. The Falcons, that's your worst loss ever. Was that Super Bowl? That's the most painful loss you ever suffered or was it's it the most- to a game uh, against Bama when he threw the touchdown? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was hard, but, um, we, that, you know, I didn't anticipate that we were going to win the national championship that year. I was just like, oh, wow, this is going better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Falcons, to me, were the best team that year. And then everything that they were doing right, they stopped doing in the fourth quarter. Like you are up by three scores and you stop running the before scores, actually. You stop running the ball. Like you, you don't drain the clock. Like you just don't use, oh, you know. And then, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely the worst loss because it That's, was the most avoidable one. That, and what you're getting at too, what I hear from that is, like you say, you're, the standard in your brain as a fan of that team is different than what the national perception was. You're watching the Georgia Bulldogs play BAM and saying like, ah, we shouldn't even be, be, be here on some level. I have a devil-may-care attitude about what goes on here. It's sad when you lose, but it's it's that – that we're never going to get this moment again. The most painful loss I submit that you could ever have suffered in the 21st century is being the undefeated New England Patriots and losing because whatever yeah. else you achieve, you ain't ever going to get back to being undefeated and being able yeah. to go down and say, we're the best of all time. I, I like Pitt lost to Penn State. Undefeated number one Pitt lost in Pitt Stadium. Dan Marino threw two touchdown passes to Dwight Collins. Tried to get a third one. It got deflected at the goal line. Intercepted by Penn State. Final score, Penn State 48, Pitt 14. I still haven't gotten over it because Pitt could have gone undefeated and played your Georgia Bulldogs, by the way, because <laughs> they did end up beating in that Sugar Bowl. Yeah. So, I, you know, these, these losses stay with you forever. Mook, what is this one for you? Is this Is this like... 
are you excited? Are you like, I hope we get it? Are you like, we better win? We can't lose to we can't lose to Jared. Oh, well, so, <laughs> so to your point, you know, the, the Niners legacy of winning in the in the late 80s and 90s, <laughs> so great that that everyone views 49ers fans as, oh, they've won so much. F them. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone mm-hmm. wants to root for the Lions. And root for Cleveland, root for Buffalo and the Jets. The list goes on and on because they've had such prolonged failure. But the Niners, if you're a millennial Niners fan, I posit that you've had as much pain <laughs> and suffering as any fan base. Mm. A 35-year-old Niners fan maybe, maybe, maybe has some faint memory of their last Super Bowl win in 1995. But <laughs> what they really remember are four horrible NFC championship game losses mm-hmm. and two, one horrible Super Bowl loss, which is probably <laughs> the most painful loss of my memory, which the is one the one against the Ravens, the Harbaugh bowl. You know, yeah. we got, oh. we're on the eight yard line. We need it. You know, we're on the eight yard line with Kaepernick with timeouts left uh, second, second and goal on the eight. And they, they, uh, the play calling, on that drive, I actually watched it today in preparation of this. I wanted to get a visceral, emotional feeling of which, which hurt the most deep in my intestines. And that one was, without a doubt, the most painful. Not to mention the hold, the obvious hold on fourth down, but that, that's a whole other thing. So the Niners' legacy of success, everyone, you know, still Joe, Joe Montana was such a giant and Steve Young was so good that everyone's like, oh, well, the Niners, they've already won enough. Yeah, tell that to 35-year-old Niners fan whose life has been nothing but pain. Yeah. You do get a weird chip on your shoulder because I do remember that effect. I remember the tail end of the Steelers in the 70s and and all of that. But it did get to a point where like, all right, Cal, we're with a Super Bowl already. This is a, this is a protracted stretch of, of uh, Lombardi-lessness. Enough with Mark Malone and Bubby Brister. Let's, uh, let's get to the promised land here already. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think you're right. And there's something to being like, perennially, you know, two and 15, that sucks on one level, but at some point like, yeah, all right, it's October 1st. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be a football fan. Now my team is done. So I'll just sit back and enjoy the stories. It's another thing to like make it all the way through and keep getting your heart broken in January. And I do, I hear you're right about that. I hadn't thought about that. The Niners have been on the wrong end of these things for quarter century now. And let me add about 1994, 1994, the last Super Bowl. Exactly. And against the Chargers, that only counts for half because it was against Stan Humphreys. Yeah, that was. That, yeah. That. But, but let me add about that Harbaugh Bowl. That game was also particularly painful in that we were favorites in that game. Um, but then you're getting destroyed and you think it's over. 28-6 when the lights go out. Then the lights go out. You have 30 minutes to drink and accept your death. It's like jumping out of an airplane and your parachute hasn't yeah. And you're falling. And at some point during this falling, you reconcile your life. You know you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But you somehow land in a swimming pool. You check yourself. Hey, I'm going to live. I'm going to walk away. And then you're smashed by a semi-truck. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. it was a horrible, horrible loss. You truly thought, wow, we're going to come back and win this game. And then to have it end in such a painful way was unquestionably the worst loss as a Niners fan. And to Joe Flacco and the Ravens who felt like really that that's who we're going to lose to. So that's a bummer. And Ray Lewis and Ray Lewis. Who's, that was terrible. And, and, and Ray Lewis and Richard Sherman kind of feel a little worse because those guys are just talk so much crap and they're, they're not fun to lose to. I've been NFL in a lot. I can't help it when the playoffs go on. I can't help those inflection points are never more inflection-y than they are in the playoffs. And so one play here or there swings, you know, the 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 Hall of Fame resumes of players and the Lombardi count in the buildings and all of that. That's a good one is if the Niners win that game, Tiana, Kaepernick makes one more throw. Mm-hmm. How does that change I'm, I'm asking you this to now shape the next uh, dozen years of pro football history, but go ahead. What? How different is pro football if Kaepernick throws a strike there? 
I have a few thoughts that I can tell you if you want me to vamp for you. While you well, I it. mean, I think Jim Harbaugh is still the coach at Michigan <laughs> next year <laughs> because he's not leaving for the NFL to get a Lombardi. I think oh, that's right. the most yeah. obvious. To me, right. that's the most obvious. Um, well, also, does he ever I, leave San Francisco in the first place? Yeah, I think they eventually kick him out anyway. Because <laughs> he's a pain in the <laughs> one way or the yeah, other. He I wins. think he's tough. You know, he's probably I'll tell you on the spectrum of some sort, you know, but I think that's what, in part, what makes him a genius uh, is, you know, no, no genius is just super normal to talk to. I would say the most important thing is that Kaepernick seals some sort of legacy, legacy other than, right. you know, just the guy that kneeled. I think he seals a legacy of like, he was this great and, you know, maybe he's still in the league. I don't know. <laughs> Well, he, I, I, you know, today is he in the league? I don't know, but he's certainly still in the league. Sure, right, of course. That's uh, that 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 sounds accurate, but I can guarantee you, he <laughs> wouldn't have been run out of the league two years after he right. wins a Super Bowl. There's there there just would be no precedent, obviously, for a guy at the front end of his prime. And I do think it's a little sad, and it's funny that whatever it is, 11, 12 years after, after all the Kaepernick and Russell Wilson wars in the NFC, while the two old guys, Peyton and Brady were waging war on the AFC side. And you had these two things going at the same time, two old guys on one side, two rising stars and potential dynasties in the Pacific Northwest slash Northern California. And who's going to get that super. It's weird that the Kaepernick kneeling stuff, much in the same way that Aaron Rodgers. Um, conspiracy talk now threatens his sort of profile as an all-time great pro football player. I think that that's going to dent him to some degree. I think Kaepernick, it's overshadowed like one of the all-time, like what the hell is happening in pro football when you watch Kaepernick play the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers in the stick. What was that, 2012? The MOOC, when Kaepernick just kept running away from clay matthews and the rest of that packers deep remember that that was and you're like oh my god what the hell this is what what the hell they can't stop him who is this guy yeah maybe 2011 yeah and he had the big because he had the big arm too he was killing you all the time up to hashes with vernon davis it was just like we're gonna gonna (laughs) run frank gore we're gonna run me and i'm gonna kill you with uh, vernon davis just running up the the hashes and there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about any of it because of our offensive line it was so it was such a phenom like i i I always say like in that moment i remember thinking well that's it football's changed forever now like this this is now going to be the way and because it didn't work out I think there's been a diminishment of running quarterbacks to some degree, mm. and you know, a, a, a little yeah. bit. That was a little delayed. The the respect for Cam Newton going going to MVP and running to the Super Bowl, be like, yeah, but he's a running QB. Like we can't honor the guy's dominance in, in a 21st century manner. The way he's playing football. I'm sorry, Tiana. Go ahead. Oh, well, Mook, did you need to comment well, on you know, that? I'm still recovering from that, from what you just said a moment ago. Just, I haven't stopped to think that Flacco is still in the league. Uh-huh. All in Kaepernick fan, that just hit me like that. I, I didn't yeah. sort of put that, I didn't sort of connect that, but gosh, I he got done so dirty. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, can I also remind people, if you are listening and you are anti-Colin Kaepernick, that Nate Boyer, a retired Army Green Beret, is the one that told him to do that because it was the most peaceful and knowledgeable way to protest. So that that is a whole other separate issue. Yeah. But I I guess my, my question to you, Mook, is like, if you win the uh, NFC Championship and the Ravens win, what is this Super Bowl going to feel like with Ooh. knowing that that is in the past? rematch i i love super bowl rematches what are they they're the cowboys and steelers have played three times yeah um the dolphins and washington played twice um philly and patriots played twice well the niners um, have had success in this niners Bengals. niners Bengals. Mm-hmm. yes of course of course yes. oh. uh so <clears throat> you know i think less about that i, I more think about the niners ravens Week what fifteen matchup? I know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not pretty. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, the, I I don't. It, it in spite of losing a Super Bowl to them, I really have no ill will towards the Ravens. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so it's not like it would hurt in the way that losing to the Seahawks would lost that NFC championship game hurt in that regard. It's not, it's a team that I don't think about really in that, in that way. It's not a fan base. Also, it seems like a particularly annoying fan base. We always like to lump in annoying fan bases. You know, how many of us are like, Oh, some, my friend that Ravens fans, a hole doesn't, it's not. A no, big... it's always the Eagles fans. It's, it's no, them. it's the nouveau riche. Seahawks fans no. were a pain in the ass. They were they, were. they really, they really <laughs> were all of a sudden like, I, but believe me, I've spent the 2023 season hearing from Browns fans and their magic mm-hmm. year here. C- mm-hmm. Congratulations. The Steelers season lasted <laughs> days longer than yours did. Con- uh, terrific year. Uh, Flacco and Watson and all the rest of you. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's anybody who's feeling it all of a sudden, like, well, you're looking, you're living, that's what you're dealing with, right, Mook? You're dealing with like, oh, you're a Niners fan. You're living life in the rear view mirror. I'm in the now, man, because my team's good now. Like, okay, let's win, win the Lombardi. Then we can talk about how, how you're living in the now. Is, is it that great now, Cleveland fans? I think that's the thing with the Niners. This is another nice chapter, but anything less than the Lombardi. If you lose... And, and your point about week 15 is is a really interesting one. Is there any way, I imagine you'd have a fortnight to, to conjure your rationalizations, but do you think that right now, thinking it through based on what you saw, like they would have any shot? That was a home game, obviously. The Niners were at home. And as a reminder, your, your team went up 5-0 because the referee tripped Lamar Jackson in the end zone. So it would have been <laughs> way worse in favor of the Ravens. What what? No. What logic yeah. can you apply? Really like maybe the Niners get him this time. Sticking <laughs> Go ahead. the screws in there. <laughs> the only hey, thing geez. that makes it is comforting, the whipping the, the in some way is more comforting than the close defeat. Mm. You know, that game, the Niners played pretty bad on both sides of the ball. And to, to just get absolutely smoked feels like at some point during that game for the Niners, there was a little bit of like, okay, let's – you know, let's sort of take our beating and live to fight another day. And so that's that actually is more comforting to me than a game that was absolute grind out victory for the Ravens. But oh, also, man. I think, too, that Shanahan is enough of a wizard that he would have looked further than just a game in the regular season and said, we ain't showing them nothing. Like I we're gonna that. look like idiots, and they won't take us seriously. And then when they we show up to play them in the Super Bowl, which you know might happen, they're not gonna see us coming, and we're gonna beat the crap out of them. Like wow. that to me is something Shanahan would do. The playing possum theory is probably just cost <laughs> me lots of money because boy, I'm now hundred <laughs> percent subscribed to this. <laughs> I floated my conspiracy theory, Tiana, the other day when the Chiefs suddenly could catch. They they were dogging it all year. Boy, that was yeah. a really dangerous grift that they were doing all year. Like, yeah. we'll probably make the playoffs. As long as we get in, though, then we then we show we do know how to catch. It's like uh, yeah. Balboa fighting fighting uh, Southpaw for the first 14 rounds. Shouldn't a Mickey have said make the switch back for, to lefty? Or from righty, whichever he did in in a in a, in his second bout with Creed, shouldn't he have made that switch before the final round? That's a lot. That's a long way to wait. Same thing with the Chiefs learning I how to catch. I love the idea that that Tony and uh, Marquez Valdez Scanlon are watching tape <laughs> on Tuesday, just laughing like, "Oh man, look at this one! I actually, I actually." <laughs> Kelsey yeah. walks in like, oh, "I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Look at my reel from this year." People yeah. think I don't know how to catch anymore. This is great. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna shock the world come January, though, fellas, right? Um, okay. I have zero interest in the Ravens winning unless Jim Harbaugh becomes the Falcons coach. And then I definitely want the Ravens to win so that Jim Harbaugh has to stay in the NFL to try to get two Lombardis to compete with his brother. So that would give him more reason to win two Super Bowls for the Falcons. Good. Just go do it. All the good coaches and players, just all go to the NFC, please. It's enough <laughs> on the AFC side of things. It's too much a mess. Um, hey, Mook, real quick, uh, before I ask you about another sport here, uh, greatest 49ers victory in your book that you've experienced, of course. You're 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 just young enough that I don't know that you got to really enjoy 81. 
That's the greatest I, playoff game I of all did. time. Though. God bless my neighbors, Dorothy and Jay Sheets. I Im- had just immigrated from the Netherlands, knew nothing about American football. And the uh, the uh, our neighbors were 49er faithful. They saw me and my goofy, me, goofy, and my brother, goofy Dutch kids. And said, <laughs> hey, kids, you guys, there's going to be Raiders fans at your school and 49ers fans. You two are 49ers fans. <laughs> So thank you to the to them. Cool. Rest in peace, my my old neighbors. But um, I think for me, the greatest victory, you know, probably had to be I love Steve Young so much. And for him to finally get that Super Bowl victory, and especially that happened to me in an age where I I didn't see any value in winning a close game. Just the absolute annihilation in that Super Bowl. Seeing Steve Young win a Super Bowl was was as good as it as good as it could have gotten for me and and that one still probably is my my mount rushmore it makes me sick because the steelers lost to stan humphreys and the chargers in three river stadium two weeks before that game i think the niners probably would have handed it to pittsburgh too so on some level they they were saved by the chargers there Still, it only counts for half if it was against the Chargers and the dumb Navy helmets and Stan Humphreys, all that crap. Fat Natrone means. Come on. What's that, Tiara? I was just going to ask if if you guys agree that, like, I I don't know if Jerry Rice is Jerry Rice without Roger Craig. If Mm. is Jerry Rice open if Roger Craig isn't on that team? It's a fantastic question. Roger Craig definitely d- never gets the credit quite. Never he, gets any credit. Not in the Hall of Fame. fame. Yeah, he, he was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, back then, you know, his occasional fumbling issues were 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 much maligned. But uh, you know, that's a that's a question for someone older and wiser than myself. Okay. I my answer is going to be yes because I mean. Wendell Tyler predates Jerry Rice. People forget about that part too. People assume that Jerry Rice was alongside Joe Montana from from the jump, but of course it was in those early years, it was Freddie Solomon and Dwight Clark. Obviously everybody knows Dwight Clark. Um, Rice arrives in what, 84, the MOOC, I think, and he takes them to a, certainly to another level. He helps um, want the West Coast offense, you know, as, you know, which changed football. Right. And they go down that like I, to me, I th- would think that one of the more pain. Well, I know one of the mo- more painful losses is in 90 to the Giants, because if that doesn't happen, you probably win three straight. And now there's no conversation about who the best football team of all time is. It's the late 80s, uh, early 90s, San Francisco 49ers. That's what I'm talking about. Like if you l- miss your place in line in history, if you if you jump out of line, like there's no getting back into it. It's like if you're chasing a three peat that kind of history. It's the same thing with the Cowboys. The Cowboys had it not been for uh, Jimmy Johnson re- leaving. They win that. Su- they probably beat your Niners, Steve Young again, and they probably win three straight Super Bowls, maybe four Super Bowls in a row. And then that's the greatest team of the Super Bowl era. And instead, little things happen. And now it's a different reality. There was also a loss in there, uh, a completely unexpected loss to one of the best Niners team. I think they were, want to say, 14 and two loss to the Vikings. Yeah, right. Uh, in, in, a, in a horrible, shocking, uh, unexpected loss. The Anthony Carter, Wade Wilson game. Wade Wilson got you. He got, <laughs> he got Montana. All right, so we mentioned the Hall of Fame, and I think that's a good place to jump in here. Yes, Roger Craig is one of the most common names you'll hear of a guy who deserves to get into his Hall of Fame that isn't. I would also throw out the number one football one to me is Torrey Holt. If you watch Torrey Holt play, mm-hmm. it's he's one of those guys that to me, like every few years I'll forget he's not in the Hall of Fame, and some I'll see him on a list of like not in the Hall. I'll be like, what? Oh, that's right. He's still not in the Hall of Fame. What the hell? He was, he was a, like, I know Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner and all of that. And Isaac, Brown, but Tory Holt was, was as big a factor. Okay. I guess if you're doing hierarchy of that Rams offense, he still is probably a best three, but still he was a dominant pass catcher, but the baseball hall of fame is out now. I'll say you Tiana, Jill Mowers in Adrian Beltre's in. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, all sluggers go in, um, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Mao. Why is Todd Helton in the in the <laughs> baseball hall of fame? And I think 
you know, I was reading an article about it and I, and I don't remember where, so I should cite it, but I I believe it was, um, the athletic or maybe it was just MLB.com. But like, honestly, I think sometimes playing for Colorado can really hurt a player because they think their numbers are inflated, but his road OPS was even higher than his home OPS. And I think that speaks even greater to him being in there. Like, I think that we, we talk about analytics all the time, but having, going from hitting in your park to, to in Colorado and then constantly going to another part and having to adjust is extremely difficult. Like having to navigate the wind and the air. Like if you go from Colorado to San Francisco, like that is a, quite the adjustment in air quality. So for him to have a higher OPS on the road than he did at home, which was really outstanding at home, I think it's like, it's really impressive to me. And he's only the second Colorado Rocket to be in the Hall of Fame. So I, I think I it's- I get it. See, you're being a math lady though. I I, I get the math of it. I'm, and not, I'm not being arguing a math against lady. It. I'm just, I'm being a, a ge- geology lady. I, I'm just saying that like air quality and weather are a factor. Like- oh, I hear you, but, but, but should, my point should is- Should Yankees this. players from the last three years get in the Hall of Fame when they're hitting it over the short porch every, you know, in a short field? Like, come on, you play in a little league field. That's no reason to take shots at Eddie Spaghetti. Hit it right, in thin air. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I agree with you. And by the way, I'm not some Hall of Fame gatekeeper. You don't agree with me. You just yell I'm not, at No, me. no, no, no. I'm not a snob like that guy. How dare he infect our Hall of Fame? I have submitted previously, and we'll state it again here, what we need to do is move all those halls of fame where they belong up to the peak of Mount Pius. Cause some standard, it's like who yeah. baseballed good, who footballed good. And now morality is being applied and yeah. it's uneven morality and it, mm-hmm. and it, and it rises and falls over the decades. And somehow it, it, the, this guy doesn't deserve it. I mean, all I, I think about this book, my, a measure that I apply very often is, what if you fell into a coma at a certain point and woke up to the new reality? What if you fell into a coma in November of 1979 and you woke up right now? First of all, people would you could t- listen to Sarah Tiana and you'd be like, "Okay, whoa, 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 slow down. What the hell is OPS? What 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 does that mean? Okay, that's fine. I don't care about that. But beyond that, like, hey, here's the news, Mook. You just woke up from your coma. Bad news. I know you liked uh, baseball." Uh, way back when, but Dave Parker, Steve Garvey, and Ken Griffey Jr. are not in the Hall of Fame. None of them made the Hall of Fame. Like, what the hell? Wait, 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 what the- <laughs> but but Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. What are we doing? Who I mean, like Barry Bonds isn't in there. Roger Clemens That's isn't it. in there. He Rose Barry isn't Bonds. in there. But all the yeah. bums I just I don't care if Todd Helton or Joe Mauer's in the Hall of Fame, so long as the as the actual icons that I named are also in that hall of it. What are we doing, Mook? Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. It's a broken institution, period. That's it. I agree. I agree. I mean, I also think that Andy Pettit should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Speaking of your Yankees, Eddie Spaghetti, because I... He took HGH, which is different than a steroid. HGH just helps you repair and recover faster. Like, you already have HGH in your body. You don't have... You know, it's... Everybody has HGH in their body. So when you inject it into your body, you just faster become the person that you already are as, you know, it helps you in recovery from injury. It's not turning you into something that you're not. So I, th- I think Andy Pettit should be in the home. I, I have, I have lots of thoughts on steroids yeah, anyway. You want to go out, you want, you want to live up on Mount Pius and be perfect and look down at, uh, at mm-hmm. we mere humans. Uh, go ahead then. That's what the whole well, are now listen, dedicated to. Andrew Jones is not in there. And, and I, and I, you know, I love him. I want him. And like my friend, Jessica Michelle Singleton said his big booty to get in there. And we want that bus to have, you know, want, we want the trailer included in the bus. So I, I think, I think Andrew Jones should be, I, I, you know, but usually the hall of fame is not a defensive a, a de- achievement. It's it's all about offense and home runs. Whereas to me, he's one of maybe the greatest center fielder of all time. Like I think that his, you know, he he was tied for third for ten years in a row for the you know the top three F WAR and you know wins above replacement. In case you need that analytic, there. 
check. I know but what yeah, those all I mean, are. By the way, I don't want to cast myself. I am a dumb guy, but I'm not a complete imbecile. I understand all the advanced analytics. I am saying that they are consuming too much of the conversation and everything is steering in that direction. When we mm-hmm. all watch Miles Garrett get zero sacks over the last third of the NFL season, mm-hmm. he's going to get the defensive player of the year award over TJ Watt, who had three more sacks than he did. I mean, like mm-hmm. at some point your eyes have to matter. It can't just be yes. But if you look at the pass rush, win we're eight. like it can't. Yes. The team should be looking well, at that when they're making free because- agent decisions. That should be of that. Here's what we should do to stop this guy. Cause it turns out you got to double him and maybe all that. It's why fans need to be like, well, well, actually, it's his pass rush win rate that makes him the the dominant force in the, in the game today. Over, I'm like, like, the hell are we doing? What, what are we, we're not allowed to yeah. react to things and feel things viscerally anymore. It does matter. It's imperfect. I get it, but also analytics are also imperfect. That's my pushback on that. The the like what my eyes tell me, what my gut tells me. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, this is this important to fail. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that kind of hurt. That w- almost hurt, I thought, was could have hurt Acuna last year in baseball because everyone's like, well, Mookie's war is higher. And it's like, well, he also plays second base and he moves back and forth from the outfield. And like infielders have a higher war because they get more outs and they get to throw more people out. Like, and nobody runs on Acuna. So like defensive analytics in baseball are, are kind of messed up. And I, I agree that fans don't need to get involved in the analytics unless there's just particular ones that you care about. And I, right. and I get a little in the weeds with baseball with like whip and F this and beam, boom, bop and boop, beep, boop. And like, I don't even know, like there's only no, a few by that the really way, matter. I, by the way, I am also not a gatekeeper on how you want a fan. If you love math, then baseball <laughs> of all the sports probably appeals to you the most, but you can do it with anything. Uh-huh. You can turn all the games into a math equation. If that's what appeals to you, then do that. That gambling but is great for Steelers that. the Steelers didn't even use analytics with Kenny Pickett that, you know, small hands are supposed to tell you like something specific. And everyone's like, no, this sometimes, guy's great. And he was. Sometimes you need to make a spiritual choice. And when the pit QB is available, you got to mm-hmm. take them if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, very quickly, I once interviewed Joe Torre right when he was starting his uh, Dodgers gig. And uh, I asked him and he he laughed. I asked, I said, uh, Andrew Jones is for, I think it was RBIs or something or hits or whatever it was, uh, career total behind you, Joe Torre. Any thought to benching him so he never breaks that record? <laughs> And he laughed. And then things turned south when I was like, of of all the actors, Hollywood made your movie, made your life story into a film, Joe Torrey. And of all the actors on the planet Earth they could have gone with, they went with Paul Sorvino. Was that a slap in the face? And he said, said, Paul's a dear friend. (laughs) It didn't go well from there on out. Um, Anyway, and now a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think this went very well, uh, Sarah Tiana. Do you like the Dutch Mook? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think he has his high it took me a, sec- a second to, to even understand who you were talking about because you're like, my friend Paul's going to be on the podcast, and I'm like, like who is Mook? I'm like, is he saying Mooch? Is he talking about Mariucci? I'm like, I'm like so confused, and then I finally realized that that's what you call him you call he's our little dutch boy with his finger in a dike he he's uh <laughs> he's uh he's hitler's boy whore schmittle that's why he has many nicknames oh dear lord him. that's a deep cut yeah. 
Yeah, well, that, yeah. That was don't, my don't say favorite. finger in a dike from someone who lives in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, uh, you you hit all my <laughs> you hit another sweet spot too. I got my Dutch my my Dutch socks oh. on. Oh, nice. uh, giving giving props to Andrew Jones who played for the Dutch national team. Oh no! I really? you know what my favorite thing is. You see, the Mook is a sweetheart, and he has uh, this side of Mo Damashek at least the highest Q rating of anyone I've ever known. Everyone likes the Mook. If you know the Mook, you like him. And uh, I say I had more to kibitz with him about two things, homework for your next visit to Mook. Yes. I want to talk about this ongoing golf match thing where they put like golfy celebrities in this thing. I want to talk about that, but we'll bite your lip on that. And then also, I've long had this idea that we send the Halls of Fame up to the peak of Mount Pius and we start fresh and we do the Hall of All. And we build a new Hall of Fame for everybody, for all. And, and the standard is greatness, memorable, visceral greatness and how we measure that. Like, you know, Tiger would obviously be in the first class and um, Brady would have to be in and Lemieux would have to be in. But those are like the only three we would definitely know we have to get in. But anyway, we'll consider that for the next time. It seems like there's a, a millionaire somewhere in Cincinnati would give you a few hundred million dollars to be the... Uh, arbiter of this new hall of fame i think you should pursue this big you talking about brad coolman oh brad coolman probably would be shout out inside inside <laughs> baseball no no kidding brad would be interested in this proposition as long ooh, as, long as Cincinnati ooh, in there. let's let's develop a tv show for him the mook let's do it he'll now love it get him doing. out from those folds of the thousand pound sisters and let's talk ball all right great times the mook go get uh go get them Detroit Lions for your sake. I want that. I want them to win for you. Um, I hope they do it. I hope they furthermore go on and beat the Baltimore Ravens, even though that will equal the Lombardi count in that building with the one on the banks of the three rivers. That's how much I like the Dutch Mook and want him to be happy for these next couple of weeks. We thank you for joining us. Go get his book, everybody. Club Pro Guy's other black book, Wisdom from a Lifetime of Punching Out Sideways, hysterical stuff, informative stuff. The Dutch Mook, we look forward to seeing you when you get down to LA. And in the meantime, be well, Pally. Thank you, David. Thanks, Sarah. We'll see you all next Thanks. Time. All right, Tiana, that's it. So now he's gone. Did did you actually like him? Yeah. No, oh, okay, I okay, okay, okay. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know if you, you know, like, you're 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 polite, and so I didn't know if you. Would yeah. No. I mean, okay. I was born a 49ers fan. I just didn't end up one once we moved to Georgia. Is that so. true? It's my yeah. You know, the interesting thing, by oh, the we way, we stuck around. It's, it's my uh, usually. So my birthday is January 31st. I turned 50. And it's always like it very often happens right around a Niners playoff game. So in a couple mm-hmm. of years on the Super Bowl, I think one year is in the NFC Championship. And it's always like, oh, please, just for my birthday. Yeah. Oh, is a Niners, a Niners Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. I don't know if you know Al Madrigal, who is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. So his kids are my god kids and we're very close. And so, you know, their dog's name is Vernon. So, yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always around 49ers fans and also my family still lives in the East Bay. So I have a little soft spot for the Niners. And I had a discussion with my brother the other day. Are, do you think Niners fans are annoying? I think when we rate annoying fan bases, I don't think the Niners fans are bad. I think uh, Niners fans get very defensive when you talk about Brock Purdy. And, and I think Niners fans get a little on edge because they're there's they've been so close for so long and so yeah. and and like that doesn't something to a psyche but i don't consider niners fans to be no the worst. i don't i don't no. find niners fans annoying in a social media no. sense or anything else i i buy I, I i could this could be completely off base but i bought long ago that it was like a wine drinking crowd you know mm. that outside the stick <laughs> it was people having yeah. charcuterie boards and uh and uh the, their favorite uh, bottles from Bordeaux um, before the game instead of beers and and bratwurst. But I <laughs> fine by me. I like I like fancy foods. I make a beautiful charcuterie plate. Stop by next time if you don't believe. I me. like wine and bratwurst, so I think oh. they go good together. All right, if you ever smell, because Tiana lives nearby, <laughs> you ever smell bratwurst? That's like the bat signal for you. Just swing <laughs> on by. You know, pick up a six yeah. pack of some cheap crappy uh, uh, Southern beer, and we'll have a good time.
<laughs> I, I'm saddened to get to go through my list this spent this morning of horrible 49ers uh, quarterbacks and coaches since 2000. If you want to read it for us, oh, do, please. It, yeah, do it. Okay. Do it. Do uh, it. Close okay. it out. So Tim Rattay. Well, so, so this list is to push back at everybody's like, oh, you're so spoiled. All yeah. you ever have are good times. Here's the mm-hmm. Dutch Mooks pushback so, from a from an embittered San Francisco 49ers. And I won't even do the, the quote coaches list, even though Jim Tom Sula was is on that list. <laughs> Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, Chris Winkie, JT O'Sullivan, Sean Hill, Troy Smith, Ryan Hoyer, CJ Bathard, Blaine Gabbert. Those were basically Ooh. with a little Alex Smith period and a little cap period since nineteen since nineteen ninety four. I mean, P and U. Oh my God, Ooh. that's worse than from Bradshaw. They go Cliff Stout, Mark Malone, uh, David Woodley, Scott Campbell, Bubby Brister, Mike wow. Tomzak. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I saw those names on some... a comedy lineup, I'd be like, "This show sucks. I'm not going to show up." <laughs> Such a it was such a <laughs> such a bleak stretch, and then you what like that's why I have such complicated self esteem. In my earliest years, of like every time my teams play, they win the championship, yeah. and then like I turn like nine years old, and then it's like, how come they don't win anymore? How come they <laughs> never win? They never do anything good. That was that was basically my childhood. Anyway, listen, Tiana, dynamite stuff. Mook, thanks to you again. I would let Brock Purdy know of the stakes for you, but I think he already has enough pressure on him. We'll look forward to talking about how both title games work themselves out. We'll do that one week from today. Until then, for the Dutch Mook, Paul Kohorst, and Sarah Tiana, and Eddie Spaghetti, and everybody at the Extra Points Network, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. (laughs) 